various issues ranging from marriage, parenting, and faith. I am your host, Joshua Dubois. On today's episode, I want to talk about empathy. Empathy is a skill that can improve the satisfaction and success of almost any relationship. In fact, as a marriage and family therapist, empathy seems to enhance the quality and even satisfaction of marriages. The reality is people want to tell their stories. They want to share their experiences and disclose their hurts, especially in families. When family members engage in vulnerable conversations, they want others to understand their struggles, feelings, and viewpoint. People, when experiencing emotional distress, want to feel heard. They also want to be recognized and accepted by the person to whom they choose to disclose. Feeling heard, noticed, and accepted happens by way of empathy. Empathy is important because family members need to know and feel that they are truly understood and that their emotions can be identified with. Before delving too much into the topic of empathy, let's define it. Daniel Siegel, a professor and expert in interpersonal neurobiology, defines empathy in four ways. One, as the capacity to see life through another person's perspective, which is known as cognitive empathy. Second, to feel what another person is feeling, which is emotional empathy. Third, to imagine what it's like to be another person, which is empathetic imagination. And fourth, to put oneself in another person's shoes, known as empathetic imagination. These are all variations of empathy. Empathy is described as feeling for and feeling with another person. In short, empathy is the ability to sense the intermental life of another person. It is important to note empathy is not agreeing with the speaker's position nor their conclusion of a matter. The empathetic listener is simply saying, I see you, I hear you, I feel with you. Okay, let's make this a bit more practical. Author and psychologist Dr. Sue Johnson suggests four behaviors to accomplish empathetic understanding. One behavior is synthesizing and crystallizing the speaker's emotional experience with their perspective. To put it another way, It's combining the speaker's feelings and perspective into a coherent whole, verbally and non-verbally reflecting their experience back to them. For example, a wife complains of her husband being apathetic and dismissive towards her feelings of insecurity, especially when he becomes upset, leaves the house for several hours, and refuses to answer her phone calls following an argument. 
a synthesizing and crystallizing empathetic statement from her husband would sound like this. You want to know that I am here for you no matter how difficult the relationship may get. That I am accessible and dependable even when I am angry. Is that right? A second behavior, empathy is also achieved by speculating about aspects of the experience that the speaker is presently unaware. For example, a husband becomes angry and jealous as a result of his wife's going to lunch with another male coworker. This male coworker also texts her after hours and calls her periodically for reasons unrelated to work. An empathetic response the wife may give is this. It must be really hard for you to know that I have a male friend. I'd imagine that you feel afraid and maybe even threatened by my actions. I want you to know I will never leave you nor give someone else the love, attention, and affection I vow to you. How can I help you feel less afraid and more secure? A third behavior, empathy is shown by elaborating on the speaker's experience, taking a step that the speaker appears incapable or unwilling to take, or making explicit what the speaker seems unable to express. For instance, a wife acts out in maladaptive ways to get her husband's attention. She quarrels with him about dirty dishes, the way he eats, him leaving the toothpaste uncapped, and about him caring more about his career than he does his marriage. Elaborating on the wife's experience and taking a step that she is unwilling to take may sound like the husband saying this, I get the sense you really want my attention. In fact, for you, negative attention is better than no attention at all. Because of my work ethic and dedication, you probably feel lonely and unimportant. Fourthly, empathy is felt by suggesting catastrophic expectations. Imagine a wife who is disengaged, apathetic, and physically distant from her husband who had an extramarital affair roughly six months ago. Instead of her husband responding with criticizing statements aimed at his wife's distance, he would do well to respond with saying this, because of my behavior, you still feel hurt and unable to fully trust me. It can be difficult being trusting and vulnerable again. The idea of getting close to me is dangerous and scary, with no guarantee that I will remain faithful. That must crush you. Okay, let's continue on with some more practical applications of empathy. Dr. John Gottman poses a multitude of empathetic phrases that can build intimacy connection, and understanding. Here's a few of those. No wonder you're upset. I see. Let me summarize. Okay, I think I get it. So what you're feeling is, that must have annoyed you. That would make me sad too. I would have also been disappointed by that. It hurts me to hear that. I'd feel the same way you do in that situation. Now I want us to look at scripture and see how Jesus is the perfect example of empathy. In fact, I often call Jesus empathy incarnate. Jesus is the believer's empathetic savior. Therefore, examining the incarnation of Christ will illustrate divine empathy and how it can translate into intimate family relationships. Jesus, while on earth and now in heaven, is the manifestation 
of the kind of empathy needed in families and relationships today. Jesus, while on earth, was not only God incarnate, but also empathy incarnate. The Hebrew writer says, For we do not have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who was unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The Hebrew writer informs us that Jesus freely chose to experience life as a human. He confined himself to a physical body, limited in strength, size, and energy exertion. Moreover, he submitted to the natural growth and development of human life in his willingness to evolve from conception through infancy, from toddlerhood to childhood, experiencing adolescence, and concluding his life as an adult. Besides, Jesus felt the pull of temptation, which was in direct opposition to his divine morality, meaning he understands humanity's attraction to sin and self-gratification, yet he chose not to indulge himself. Furthermore, Jesus became hungry and tired. He also felt rejection and pain, both physical and emotional. He even experienced the sting of death by way of injustice. Why did Jesus consciously choose to live as a human? He did it so that he can empathize with our weaknesses. This made him the great mediator between God and man. Likewise, Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 7. It is also a wonderful description of Jesus's empathy. Within Paul's letter to the Philippians, he guides them in their interpersonal relations. He writes, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Well, what does all this mean? It means that Jesus momentarily, for roughly 33 years, suspended or veiled his glory. He suspended his throne and parts of his divine nature and took on the role of a servant for the purpose of experiencing and eventually redeeming humanity without losing his identity in the process. Being empathy incarnate, Jesus suspended his opinions, judgment, and heavenly comfort. He took upon himself the attributes of human nature with the intent to sympathize, empathize, suffer, and die as we do. What does all this mean? It means that empathy involves, as Jesus demonstrated, the willingness to leave one's place of comfort and security for the purpose of understanding life through another's experience and taking a portion of the other person's affliction and filling it. The person who provides empathy mimics the empathetic Christ 
by having a deeper understanding and awareness of the emotional heaviness that the speaker carries. What an awesome God who desires to know and redeem the human condition of sin through the most perfect and divine form of empathy, becoming human. Jesus is truly the ultimate expression and divine embodiment of empathy. Thanks be to God for furnishing the church, the bride of Christ, with a husband, Jesus Christ, who is able to empathize with her weaknesses. I want to encourage you to listen with love, to listen with grace, and to listen with understanding. I want to encourage you as you listen to the people in your life tell their stories. Listen to them without judgment, without reservation, without rebuke, without rebuttal, but with empathy. I want to thank you for taking time out to listen to this podcast. I hope it was enlightening and edifying. Have a great day. Thank you.